So question for you, how many of you guys make New Year's resolutions? You don't really have to put up your hand or anything like that, but you know, new year, new you, new outlook on life, maybe a new outlook online and how you do that. Uh, this is culturally, though, the season that uh, we tend to reflect, look back, potentially look for some changes that we want to make in our lives. You know, and it, it seems, though, uh, when, when you stop and think about it, though, in our climate right now, it seems like this is a bad idea right now to do that. Half of us probably suffer from some type of seasonal depression. We've got pandemic depression. We've got all the, the, uh, the relaxing of our normal social things that we would do or our habits at Christmas, right? We throw all of our exercise habits out the window when it comes to Christmas season. All of our eating habits go out the window. We'll just be like, you know what? I'll pick it back up in the new year, right? Usually that's our Christmas season, right? It's just like, ah, one more chocolate, one more leg of turkey or whatever, and it seems like a really bad time to be reflecting on all of our personal choices and starting again, doesn't it? Because we've just done everything that we probably shouldn't do in this Christmas season as far as healthy habits. We've tried to, you know, it, how hard is it to say, you know what, I'm, I'm refusing to see people, I'm just going to stay by myself, it's Christmas, and it's so hard to stay and play by all the rules at Christmas season, and then to throw in, in the new year, let's, let's do some New Year's resolutions. It's, it seems like the wrong time. Maybe we should wait till later in spring, you know, when the flowers start blooming and things like that. It seems like a much better time to go, you know what, let's do some resolutions. Let's do some new thoughts when we can, we can figure out this year. The challenge is, is that uh, January comes when January comes, and the new year starts when it does, and we don't really have a lot of choices in those things, right? When we look at the rhythms of our year and the calendar and things like it's beyond our control. And that's, that's something that we need to pay attention to sometimes when we look at our lives, that there are rhythms, there are patterns, there are things that are going on that are beyond our control, that are just a part of the natural flow of life. And we have to pay attention to those rhythms. And it starts early, very early in life that we start paying attention to those rhythms. Very first rhythm that we start paying attention to is that ultrasound, isn't it? When you go and you meet with the, the, the pediatrician and you stick the thing on the, on the stomach and you, you're listening for that of a heartbeat. For all of you who have had a child or listened to that, you know what I'm talking about. It starts that early that we start looking for rhythms and patterns in life. We try maybe to find the rhythm or the pattern uh, in a junior high or middle school band. Good luck trying to find a rhythm in that. It can be uh, violence to your ears listening to a middle school band, can't it? It can be listening to and finding the rhythm of your heart when you're on that very first date and you're trying to keep your heart rate under control. And then later, when that first date potentially becomes that marriage proposal and you are there about to ask that question, we're listening for those rhythms, checking for that pulse. 
could be for some in the new year uh, with a new resolution. It could be putting your hands on the bar on the treadmill or on the bicycle where it's monitoring your heart rate and you're just like, whew, am I out of shape? I barely started pedaling and it's already, you know, I'm at the maximum capacity for my heart rate. It could be that. It could be so sometimes when it catches you off guard. I remember when... uh, just in, in June when I sat and I was talking with uh, my doctor and my watch started beeping at me, your heart rate is too high. And it was right as I was having the conversation regarding my journey with cancer for the first time. And my watch was, was blinking yellow and I'm like, shh, 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 shh. Everything's, let's just handle this well. But my heart rate was going really fast. Each life, all of our lives have their highs, their middles, their lows. We can call them different things. Sometimes we call them mountaintops and valleys, or good times or bad, richer or for poorer, sickness and in health. We're in it for all of it, aren't we? We can't just pick and choose the highlight reel of our lives. It's not like watching sports on, uh, you know, sports news where you just catch the highlights and you miss all the boring parts of a hockey game where nothing seems to happen, or watching, uh, watching a game for the last five minutes because you know that's really when the game is going to be decided and the rest of the three hours of commercials and everything like that only set up that, that few minutes. We can't live our lives like that. We do have the highs and lows, the peaks and the valleys that we live through. And a physician can look at the rhythm on the EKG and they could spot the difference between a healthy and an unhealthy heart just by looking at the rhythm. And why is that? It's because rhythms need rules. Rhythms have patterns that are followed that indicate when things are good and bad. Now, the evidence of a rhythm is what we see from the outside. It's what we, we look at and we notice uh, from the outside. But the rule that defines the rhythm is pivotal. We hear it in the timing of music, right? This morning we heard the the worship team playing, but what you couldn't hear was in their ears was a metronome telling them to stay on time and what the timing was of each song. You don't hear that, but they do, knowing then how to stay on time. The composer picks the timing for the music, and the director sets the tempo so that everybody can stay on on beat and on time, and we can have great music. The same is identical when we're following Jesus. The evidence follows the pattern that was set by our conductor, our composer, Jesus. We can look at uh, what it says in Galatians 5, 16 to 25. And here's what it says there. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. Again, finding the right rhythm for our lives. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So we see quite a, quite a contrast between what it looks like to find the rhythm of Jesus and to listen to our composer and how he wants us to live and how we would do it in our own flesh, listening to the world and being deceived by the enemy. The question then is, how do we live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit? What does that look like? I remember years ago, in a youth group setting, I had a theme set for a series we were doing, and we called it Swing Dance, Learning to Dance to the Music God is Playing. And uh, this was quite a long time ago, and, and probably somewhat controversial in our setting, in a Pentecostal church. We brought in a swing dance instructor to come in for the whole series and teach us how to do swing dance in the gym after we had done our youth service and our worship and our, our teaching and everything. In all of its craziness and the awkwardness of a, a high school dance, as you could imagine it would look like, kids going or far apart and trying to do swing dance music, as crazy as it was, it was such a fun moment for us to look at and see what it's like to find the rhythm to dance to. Now, for you, some of you, it may grip you with fear that you have two left feet, and dancing would expose you so badly. Or maybe it would challenge your religious particularities regarding dancing, especially in church, because we cleared the gym and danced our way in the church. Or maybe uh, it makes you wish that we could clear the floor right here, right now, and start dancing uh, and starting something new in church. But the truth here, the truth of the idea is this, that God has almost this musical rhythm for our lives. That when in tune with the Holy Spirit, we learn his dance moves. We learn how to walk around the floor and move to the music rather than bumping into everything along the way. That's what it looks like to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. It becomes a lyrical dance that we live in our lives. And it doesn't mean everything is perfect. It takes strain and concentration and focus and learning the dance steps. And if you've ever tried swing dance, it, it takes some physical strength and effort because you're moving and turning and turning people up on their sides. And you have to... You have to Give it a good effort. But it, it can be absolutely amazing. Now, before we switch from 
talking about dance moves to answering the question, what does it look like to stay in step with the Holy Spirit? I want us to take a look at some of the trends and the rhythms and patterns that we can see in our culture right now, in Canada right now, to help us understand where our culture is going through and what kind of rhythm or pattern it's following. Statistics Canada had released a new report on religiosity in Canada and its evolution from 85, 1985 to 2019. So not including uh, our little pandemic blip here. In 1985, 90% of Canadians were affiliated with a religious group. In 2019, 66% of Canadians are affiliated with a religious group. In 1985, 43% Attend, uh, attended a group religious activity at least once a month. 2019, 23% will come once a month to a religious activity. 2003, 71% said their religious or spiritual beliefs were somewhat or very important. In 2019, it's down to 54%. And 23% of Canadians reported participating in a group religious activity like worship service at least once a month. And 37% say they engaged in religious or spiritual activities on their own. If you notice, there's a trend. There's a pattern that's happening. Across the board in all those different statistics, we see at least a 20% drop. There's a pattern going on in our culture as far as the change that's happening, the music they're dancing to. We can read a little bit more, and this is a quote from that report. It says this, Recent generations were less likely than the generations that came before them to report a religious affiliation, to participate in group or individual religious activities, or to place a high value on religious and spiritual beliefs in how they live their lives. The report found some differences, though. People born outside Canada were more likely than those born in Canada to report a religious affiliation and participate in group religious activities. The fact that their children are becoming less religious is consistent with other studies that show immigration or immigrants are more religious in the first generation but this wanes with each passing generation. As every new immigrant family or new cultural experience, ethnic experience comes into Canada, the next generation has less and less ties to what they brought in with their culture and their faith. As they graft in more of a Canadian culture that is increasingly secular. So as a rule or as a rhythm or as a pattern, what can we see here? Canada is shifting its beliefs from religious groups to either personal or political ideologies. Canada is shifting its formation from the community to the individual. Within one generation, Canadian culture will become a more dominant shaper of identity, values, and practices than one's country or culture of origin. Within one 
generation. So why do we talk about this today? It doesn't sound like a a hope-filled January 2nd message, does it? Look, here's our culture and their faith going down. But here's why we say this. Because if Canada can change, then guess what? Canada can change. Do you understand that? If it can change one way, then it can change the other way. It means it can change. But what Canada needs and what our culture needs is Christians to relearn what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. And what I mean by that is more than just evangelism. Because we could look at those statistics and our first response is, we just got to get out there and just tell more people about Jesus and get them into the church and then everything will be fine again. We'll just bump those numbers back up to what they used to be and everything will be great. But something has obviously changed in how we live, in how we participate in culture to, to shift this. So it's not just the message, because the message has been the same message for the last 2,000 years. What needs to change is how we stay in step with the Spirit. It's not evangelism. It's not good deeds. Rather, it's a whole life reality, a deep walk with God that affects all that we are and all that we do. When we're tempted to settle for a faith that's less than that, that's a different rhythm than what God has for us, then we need to refocus. We need to shift back to hearing the music that God is playing. Now, when we look at it, right from the very beginning, we've had these challenges. Eve was tempted by the enemy in the garden one single time and brought that lie that changed everything when she gave in. Jesus was tempted by the enemy after 40 days of fasting, yet he stood firm through all of the tests that he faced. So how do we look at the difference between, you know, the first Adam and Eve and Jesus and and answer the question to say, how do we stay in step with the Holy Spirit now? How do we, like Jesus, resist the temptation, resist the urge to listen to a different song and to dance to a different tune? How do we not do that but stay in step with the Spirit like he did? Before we, we dive into the, the full answer, I want to just talk about a couple ways that we try to answer this question or we've tried in the past that are good but not the full answer, not the the fullness of what we need to do. We often try to answer the question in different ways. Some of us, we think that keeping in step with the Spirit means possessing a spiritual gift or possessing a spiritual, like, mantle or uh, um, just a way about us that is distinct in our spirituality that that helps us do that. Something like... uh, and it seems to often be something like discernment, the gift of discernment. And now, a gift of discernment is a spiritual gift that's God-given, uh, and it's unique in its capacity to uh, help the believer for the purpose of releasing the Holy Spirit-empowered ministry for that believer. And discernment, in its form, 
can help us as far as understanding what is from God and not from God, what is from uh, the enemy. It can help us do all those things. But it's not a gift that's been given to everybody. It's not a gift that we exercise 100% of the time. And so the problem is anytime we look to having a spiritual gift to be that thing that's supposed to keep us in step with the Spirit, then we can often, we can often be out of step with the Spirit when we're not either using that particular spiritual gift or when, when it's not necessarily needed. If we have the gift of healing, but we're in a setting where there's nobody to heal, does that mean we're, we're not obviously using that spiritual gift at that moment? So how do we continue to stay in step with the Spirit? It gets really confusing when we say it must be a spiritual gift that keeps us in step with the Spirit. So it needs to be something different than just that. Do I desire that all of us would follow and look for spiritual gifts to be active in our community here? Absolutely. We need every spiritual gift God gives us to be evident within our community and exercised within our community. But we can see people who take abuse of spiritual gifts and use them inappropriately. So we can't say that is how to stay in step with the Spirit on its own. Another incomplete answer that we see everywhere is just, just try harder. Just try harder. Man, did I ever fail at my devotions for the last little while? I haven't been considered. I haven't nailed every single day. I didn't have my glory moment with Jesus in the morning and have that epiphany that just rocked my world. So somehow I'm failing in my, my effort to connect with God. And if I just try harder, then I'll get there. I'll achieve that level of spirituality that will keep me in step with the Spirit. I just need to, to pull up my bootstraps and try a little harder, and then I'll get there. Now, I'm not against effort. You shouldn't be against effort. But if all it took to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil is a little bit more willpower than you used last time, then what do we do with Galatians 5.1 where it says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to yoke of slavery. It doesn't say, For freedom, you worked hard enough to get free. Christ had to set you free. And so if he had to set us free, and our job is just to remain free, then we don't need to do the work to become free again. So now let's move on to potentially a fuller way of looking at this. John Mark Cormer in his book, Live No Lies, says it like this. To win at walking in step with the Spirit, we need, to access, we need access to a power that is beyond us. We access the power of the Holy Spirit by engaging in spiritual practices. Willpower, at its best, when it does what it can, which is direct my body into spiritual practices, so that the Spirit's power can do what my willpower can't, overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's a combination of all these things. When we bring in our willpower to do at its best, Push us into spiritual practices so that the Holy Spirit through us can overcome the enemy. When we lean into spiritual practices, 
We position ourselves to live by a power that is beyond us, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, he sets us free from the flesh, the world, and the devil. That's what he does. And he sets us free for the Spirit, for the world, for the works of righteousness. Now, our fight, again, isn't for freedom. He's already done that for us. Our fight is against being enslaved again by the very things that Jesus died to set us free from. That is what our fight is. Our fight is to remember the, the music that God is playing and dance to that music and not to be taken off and listening to other music, hearing other tunes and thinking that we can dance to that music. Hear the song of God's heart. Rhythms need rules. Rhythms follow that pattern. When you see sheet music, it tells you right at the very start, this is the rhythm for this song. You can't change it. You, otherwise, the song doesn't work right. Rhythms need rules. In our lives, the rhythms of our lives need rules. And so when we bring in spiritual practices, we bring in spiritual disciplines, guess what happens? Principalities fear spiritual practices. The principalities of this world, those, the, the, the things that govern the world this, that we see taking our Canadian culture and moving it away from God and away from spiritual practices, they fear spiritual practices. Why? Why do they do that? Because it allows us to stay in step with the Spirit. And when we walk in step with the Spirit, we move with the power of the Spirit and we see lives changed. We see people become set free. And not only do we just see them set free in an initial moment, we see them walk free moving forward. Again, with peaks and valleys, with highs and lows, with ebbs and flows within it, but in freedom. Demons dread spiritual disciplines. They dread it when we say we are going to step back from wanting our own thing and go after what God has for us. They do not like it when we choose to submit to our Father in heaven instead of going our own way, being coaxed and, and uh, brought into believing lies. Now, I want you to hear me, though. Because it's so quick and easy for us to slip back into willpower again. Thinking that, okay, if I just flex hard on these spiritual disciplines, everything is going to be okay. It's not because of the practice of the discipline itself that makes the difference. It is because what the spiritual practice or discipline does is it sets us apart to abide in and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The practice itself can become legalism if you, if you want, want it to be. You can turn it into just a law that doesn't get you where you want to go. It should always drive you into the presence of God to be abiding in him, to hear again the music that he is playing. Canada can change, but it will be only changed as the Holy Spirit changes it. And the Holy Spirit has chosen to partner with us 
and use us as we stay in step with the Spirit. Over the next month, what we are asking you to do and inviting you to do is to lean into eight spiritual practices starting next week with prayer and fasting. That's what we want to do is lean in and say, okay, God, how can you help me refocus on spiritual discipline so I can abide in you, I can hear your song, I can dance to your music, and I can see the power of the Spirit evident flowing through my life. Our first step is this. Between today and next Sunday, we want you to ask the Holy Spirit one thing. For the next 21 days, what do you want me to fast? What would you want me to fast? As a church, we do this all together, but yet individually, as far as we all take time and set apart time over 21 days to pray and to fast and to seek God for our own enrichment and our own abiding with God, but as a community for us to abide with God and to see the Holy Spirit lead us as a community. And if you need some guidelines or basics for understanding what our 21 days of fasting looks like, you can go to lifecenter.org slash 21 days. And we've got lots of information there for you. But to start it, it is all looking at prayer and fasting. And so next Sunday would begin our time of prayer and fasting. And so that's why this week we're preempting it with talking about rhythms in your life, spiritual rhythms, and then asking you to look at what you could potentially fast. Now, depending on your understanding of prayer and fasting, fasting has, uh, is traditionally understood to be uh, withholding food, uh, eating certain types of food or food altogether. And you can see again on our website different types of food fasts to do. Some people also decide during the 21 days to look at uh, the discipline of abstinence, abstaining from certain activities or different things that are beyond food. And so I encourage you to look at both. Maybe there's some, uh, some people take a look at their social media accounts and go, you know what, I'm just going to step away from those for 21 days. Technically, that wouldn't be a fast. It would be abstaining from something. But it's all part of including in what God wants to do in your heart through this time. If that's, if that's the volume of music in your life that's a little too loud that doesn't let you hear God's, God's music, then maybe it's 21 days of turning that down. But I would also encourage you to look at some type of food fast if you are uh, able to uh, with your, your current health situation. Whether that's a Daniel fast, cutting out all sugars and fats and meats or something like that. Uh, again, we have a full list of different types of fasts that you can find on our website um, to help you with that. But I want to encourage you and ask you to and invite you to join us with that uh, in this time. As it can become such a powerful tool in what God wants to do in and through our community here in Cornwall. That as we look at transitioning into 2022, how do we minister to our community effectively? How do we see God's love through us uh, transform lives in our community? How do we take some of those statistics that we see in our culture and in Canada and turn them around? Not for numbers' sake, but for people's sake. 
for the, for the fact that God absolutely loves them as much as he loves you and I. So this month, uh, over the next 21 days, January 9th to January 30th, uh, we invite you to join us in abiding in God, being set apart for his purpose, to hear his music and to dance to the song that he is playing. Thank you.